Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Jesus, we worship you. We thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We ask God that you speak deep into our souls. Refresh us today. Bring life to us today. Bring joy. Bring peace. Bring your grace. There's nobody else in this world that can do that like you, Jesus. We ask that you would show up and minister to us. We love you. We worship you. And everybody agrees. Said? Amen. Amen. Hey, we um, are in a little season right now where uh, we're asking this question, how do I enjoy my life? Who wants to enjoy their life? Who wants to enjoy their life? Who wants to see many happy days? This is what the word promises us. Who wants that joy? Listen, uh, let me show you this little video real quick of some joy uh, that we had in our house the other night. Come on! Yes! <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, Michael. It's no. like waves coming no. over. Come now. to break. Come to break. <laughs> Who wants to live life like that every day? Come on. You inspire me, Michael boy. I know I am. It's the best. I love being a dad. Oh, the joy of being a father. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says this. How could you worship two gods at the same time? You'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot worship the true God and be enslaved to the God of money. So Jesus is talking here. He's going, hey, you can't serve two different gods. Can't. You can try with all of your might, but I promise you, he's going, you're going to love one, and you're going to hate and despise the other. So we're going to take a little pop quiz today. I want you to pull out a phone or something. You can write this down, okay? I want you to write these down. We're going to have three questions you're going to write down. And I know you're like, no more school. All the parents said, amen. You're done. Listen, Ben had homework on, I think, uh, on Thursday. It's like two days of school left. I'm like, I'm going to go postal at the school. No, 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 I can't say that. Ah, it's terrible. It's terrible. Here's questions, okay? How do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? And what do you consume? How do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? What do you consume? These three questions will tell you who's your master. They'll tell you. They'll tell you what you serve, what your heart's running after, where your treasure is, what you're hoping for, what you're believing for. This is going to tell you what is your master. Now, here's the deal. Here at Elevate, we can help you love your life. I promise you, we can help you love your life. We can help you, as the word says, see many happy days. We can help you do that. I promise you, okay? If you want to serve Jesus. If you want to serve Jesus. Now, if you don't want to serve Jesus, I promise you, elevate Jesus, God's word, it's going to be judgmental, it's going to be harsh, and it's going to be mean if you don't want to serve Jesus. I can't do anything for you. And this is how the world looks at Jesus. This is how the world looks at church. It goes, oh, it's harsh, it's mean, it's judgmental. But if you want to serve the Lord, it's going to bring you life. And so here's the deal. If you've chosen to serve the Lord, congratulations. Give yourselves a round of applause. Come on. Yeah, good. A little golf clap. Congratulations to all of you. Made a really great choice. I believe in it, okay? But I gotta tell you something, okay? There's a difference in believing in Jesus and Jesus as your master. These are different things. There's a difference between Jesus, I just love you and I like you, or Jesus, I serve you and, and you're my master. And I promise you, it's going to be really hard and it's going to be really frustrating if you're trying to live in two different worlds, okay? It's really hard, okay? 
I remember, um, this is going to be terrible. I'm terrible today, okay? I was like 14 years old. And I had two girlfriends. Two girlfriends. It was a hard life, y'all. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. It was a hard life. I was a terrible person. Everybody's like, Jeff, Pastor Jeff, you're a terrible person, okay? It's hard living in two different worlds. It's like this, okay? Okay? We got Coke, all right? And Coke is just the best, okay? I mean, listen, all of you that switched Diet Coke, I pray for you. I believe, I'm believing for you to come back, okay? It's like uh, in the movie Sandlot, when he goes, Big Jaw, it's the best, you know what I mean? Coke, it's just the best. It's just so, oh, woo! Y'all getting the feelings right now, right? You heard that crack, saw, you know, kind of bubble up. <sighs> Great way to start the day, I'll tell you that much, okay? It's the best. But what do we know about Coke? It's not the best for our lives, right? It's not the best for our bodies. We know this. We know that water is really what's best for us, right? We know that water, okay, I just wish that Coke could taste like water or water could take like Coke, you know what I mean? It'd be great. Water is going to refresh us. Coke is not going to refresh us, but water is going to refresh our bodies, okay? It's kind of like this. When you don't pick what you really want to serve, it's like this. It's like us saying, I love Coke, right? And I love water. Oh, oh, yeah, everybody just did it. They went, oh, that's sad. You're making my heart sad. Why is church sad today? You know what I mean? Right? Oh, <laughs> that is not good, okay? That is, that is not tasty, okay? It's what? It's gross, okay? It's like, it's like I want to serve Jesus, right? I, I like Jesus. I love Jesus. But I still want to do whatever I want to do and live however I want to live and uh, be emotional when I want to be emotional and just be me, Right? And it's gross. And listen, we're going to talk about rest today, okay? But I promise you, you will never find rest trying to serve two different gods. You'll never find rest. You'll never find peace. You'll never find joy. Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at God's will for our lives today as it relates to rest. Okay? Because I believe enjoying life and seeing many happy days has a lot to do with the rest inside of our soul. Okay? I'm not talking about external rest today. I'm talking about the rest that happens inside of our soul. So go with me to Luke chapter 10, if you've got a Bible. Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 38 through 42. And uh, I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. It says this, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, that means Jesus. She was sitting before Jesus, absorbing every revelation that he shared. Verse 40, but Martha became exasperated with finishing numbers, numerous household chores in preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus saying this, Lord, Lord. Don't you think it's unfair that my sister has left me to do all the work? All the moms say amen. 
to that, okay? Should tell her to get up and help me. Verse 41, the Lord said, Jesus said, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you so troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Mary has discovered the one thing that is most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I will not take this privilege from her. Okay, so point number one today is this. My plan, okay? My plan. See, Martha had a plan. She had a plan for that day. She was throwing a party, and she wanted that party to be perfect, right? She wanted the house to be perfect. She wanted the meal to be perfect. She had a picture in her mind of how she wanted that day to go. And what's happening? Mary is not fitting inside of her plan, okay? Her plan is in trouble. Her plan is falling apart. How many of you go, I relate to that, okay? I relate to that. I have plans, and it feels like my plans are falling apart. It feels like maybe God's not behind my plans. I feel alone in my plans. This is how Martha feels. She's going, I feel alone. I'm doing all this work. She's probably in there banging pans and making a racket. She wants everybody to know what? I'm working hard. I'm getting ready for this party. All of you losers are sitting there with Jesus, right? This is what she's really saying. I got a plan. This is me. This is me. I got a plan for everything. I promise you. Like, like, vision is really easy for me, and I can have vision for anything. I have my plans, and I have my ways. And I promise you, there's a lot of times where I get exasperated, exhausted with what? My plans. My plans. I remember um, when Michael started playing basketball. It just something came alive in me, you know? It's my firstborn, I'm a dad, I love basketball, I grew up playing basketball. Um, he found interest in basketball, it was exciting, and all of a sudden, I had a plan. Right? I had a plan. I was going to coach him, I was going to play with him, I was going to work with him, I was going to grind with him, I was going to take him to the best trainers, I was going to do anything I could do to make my plan happen. What was my plan? I'm like, my plan is he's going to play basketball at the varsity level someday, and he's going to be amazing, he's going to be on the news, he's going to be in the papers, and we're going to go to state and we're going to win it, right? I promise you, you all laugh. Like, this was my plan. And you know what was interesting about this plan? It worked. It worked. He was in fifth grade, and he was scoring 20-plus points a game in fifth grade. Now, if you went to your kid's game and they scored like two buckets, you'd be like, it's ice cream night. It's, it's on. It's a big night, right? If he didn't score 20 points, like I remember one game he scored like 12 points and I was like mad. I mean, like I was mad. Like, like who are you? This isn't my son. You know what I mean? Like I had a plan. It was working. I remember eighth grade. Man, they were they, varsity coach coming to a bunch of eighth grade games to watch him and his friends. They were excited. Freshman year. He's on varsity. He's not on the freshman team. He's not on the JV team. He's on varsity. We're thinking, man, the plan's working. My plan's come to pass. My plan. Until the plan ran out of grace. And I remember that, that freshman year. It was a hard year. I just remember like the travel because we were going up to Troy Christian up in Troy, Ohio. And I remember how difficult that was becoming. It felt like when years prior, I never hit traffic going through Dayton. That freshman year, it felt like every single night I was in traffic. Every night. Meaning what? I got home late. 
A lot of nights I didn't get to put the boys to bed, didn't get to say goodnight. There'd be, it felt like days on end where I didn't see Jess, I didn't see the boys because I was with Michael. We were going to practice. Travel just became hard. Michael struggled his freshman year, like really struggled. We loved him and we were supporting him, but he struggled. He lost passion his freshman year. I remember me and Jess sitting in the stands uh, because I, was, I had given the coaching thing away, like, here, go play varsity. I remember sitting in the stands being so nervous, and I had never been nervous watching him play, like ever. Like, I had always been like, he's going to dominate. It wasn't even a question. But all of a sudden, we were in this moment where there was no more grace. And I promise you, I know when there's no more grace. I promise you. Like, I've been on stage before where I'm like in the middle of my message, and I'm like, I want to quit right now. There is no grace. There is nothing on this message. I, can, I know it. I can feel it. And you understand what I'm talking about. You're like, where's the grace? And I remember, I'll be honest with you, it just broke my heart. Why? Because my plan wasn't working. My plan wasn't coming to pass. And so I had to ask myself, because here's the deal. I could have pushed on, right? Because this is what we do when we don't have any more grace or we feel like our plan is falling apart. Most of the time we think the best thing I could do is just double down, right? I'll just work harder. I'll push harder. I'll push my kids harder. We'll just do this more, right? And I could have done that. That could, I mean, there was a big part of me that wanted to do that, okay? But here's the deal. I had to ask myself, do I want my plan for Michael's life or do I want Jesus' plan for Michael's life? What plan do I want? Because Rome has told us that he's got a plan for our life. He's got a plan in mind for our life. Whose plan? The question is this. Can I let go of my plan? Because here's the deal. If I let go of my plan, can I rest in the idea, in the thought that God's got a great future in mind for Michael and for me, right? Can I rest in that? Can I find peace in that? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says this. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That's a great word right there. That is a great word. That's a word that you need to copy, paste, put on the mirror, have it in the car, have it somewhere that you can speak out and go, God, I don't trust my plans, but I trust yours. And your plan, in your word says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined the great things you have in store for my life. So Lord, today I choose to trust your plan and not mine. I can rest. I can rest that I don't have to be in control. I can rest in the thought that God has good things in mind for my children. I can rest in the thought that he's a good God who protects. Can I, can I say this too? And typically this goes to moms. Can I just speak to all the moms who struggle with fear? You can trust the Lord. You can trust the Lord. He's good. He knows how to protect. Me and Jess talk about this. We pray and plead the blood of Jesus over our children all the time. We pray that the angels of the Lord will surround and guard and protect them. And then from there, we send them on and we don't think about it anymore. Right? Why, well, he's good. I don't have to worry. I don't have to over hover. Right? He's a good God. He'll take good care. Okay? I don't have to worry about my plan. If you're worried about your plan, your plan will rob peace and joy and rest in your soul. Okay? It'll rob it. Point number two is this, margin. Margin. Verse 41, Jesus answered her, Martha, beloved Martha, why are you so upset and troubled and pulled away by all these many distractions, many 
distractions. So let's talk about distractions for a minute, okay? I like to put it this way. Distractions are what I would consider sensory overload. Sensory overload. We are in a generation, in a time where our sensory is just in overload. So many different distractions, so many different pieces of technology, so many different events, so many different things to do. There's so much that's grabbing our sensories and it's sensory overload in our life. Um, the other day, me and Jess, we were at home and we were eating at the kitchen table and there was no TV on. We didn't have our phones next to us and there was no music and no sound going on. And somebody just thought themselves, barf, that's, that's the worst, right? Okay, all right. So we're sitting there and like, you know, like when it's so quiet, you can hear the other person chew and I'm just a loud chewer. I'll just be honest with you, okay? That's the moment, okay? And Jess says to me, she goes, is this what life was like 50 years ago? I was like, uh, maybe, I guess. She's like, what do they do all the time? I was like, I don't really know. She's like, I guess they kind of just stared at each other all the time. I was like, yeah. She goes, no wonder they had so many kids. They just had sex all the time because they didn't have anything else to do, you know? Maybe we need to go back in time to 50 years ago. All right. I looked this up. Symptoms of sensory overload. Symptoms of sensory overload. The first one is this, difficulty focusing and concentrating. I deal with this. Just difficulty focusing, concentrating. We're so accustomed to like these, you know, 15 second videos. We're scrolling. And we're just getting little kicks of dopamine every 15 seconds, right? We're just so accustomed to quick things, right? It's hard to focus, concentration. The second one was this, extreme mood swings. Extreme mood swings. Isn't it interesting how we see the world and how quickly their moods switch and change like on a dime? Just sensory overload. There's so much information, so many things firing in people's brains. Uh, the third thing was this, physical discomfort. It's just physically, it's just, it's just like overwhelming feeling inside of your body. The fourth thing was this, the feeling of being overwhelmed. Just overwhelmed all the time. Number five was this, the feeling of overly excited or wound up. And the sixth one was stress, fear, and anxiety. Stress, fear, and anxiety. I promise you that the enemy's number one goal is to keep you distracted and to have sensory overload. Promise you. He is working overtime to make sure that you have sensory overload. So it's kind of like this, okay? It's gonna be a real simple illustration, okay? We got... This mower, right? Okay. So I bring this mower in and uh, I walk up to the stage this morning and Pastor Ryan Wonderly um, is taking off the blades of the mower. And I thought to myself, I'm Tim Allen and he's Al Borland. You know what I mean? He's a, I'm like, more power. He's like, safety first, you know? I love you, Ryan keeping everybody safe at Elevate Church, making sure nobody, give it up for Pastor Ryan. Nobody's losing an eye today on his watch. Okay, so it's a battery-operated mower, okay? So, let's say this battery is dead, right? But we think, you know what, it's okay. I'm gonna put it in, right? I'm just going to believe that it's going to work. Right? Nope. It's, it's going to work. I, I know it's going to work. 
this is kind of like a picture of our life. There's no margin in our life. And we're tired and we're worn out and there's no energy. And you know what's interesting is I could yell at that battery. I could curse at that battery. I could, I could you know, maybe feel like I'm just going to push it around the yard regardless. Whatever I want to do, this thing is not going to start. Why? Because it's dead. It's just dead. It has no energy. But if I take a full battery, okay, stick it in. All right. Now we got some power. And we can do some stuff. And we can cut the yard. And we can change the whole outlook of the yard, right? Okay, why? Because we got a full battery. We got a full battery. Look, one of my favorite things right now is this. This deck chair on the driveway with no phone. I don't know what it is. I sit like an old man. I, I like just like this. I promise you, I got this leg rocking. No, I, that's Jess. This is, this, is, this is real. I just sit like this. I might have, I might have some light worship music on. Like last night, I had some Carrie Job on. And I just sit. And I just look at the sun and I don't look at, there's just nothing I look at. And I promise you, I don't know what it is right now, but this is the most refreshing thing in my life right now. And it's like somewhere in between maybe 10 minutes after, after my mind shut down. Do you know what I'm talking about when your mind shuts down? My mind shuts down and all of a sudden the Lord starts to speak. And it's so interesting because he always knows what I need. And it's my favorite thing right now. And I promise you, it's the thing that's recharging my spirit, bringing rest to me, bringing joy to me, bringing peace to me. And then when my battery is full, right? When I'm full, guess what? things work really well on Sunday mornings. Because you're not getting empty, Jeff. You're getting full. Full of the Lord. Full of what he wants to say, not what I want to say. I don't care what I want to say. I care about what he wants to say because he knows you intimately. He knows exactly what you need today. I don't, but he does. I want to be full. I want to have some margin, but here's the deal. We live lives with no margin. No margin. We live life with no margin in our time. I'm learning, and it's, I'm telling you, it's a learned thing. I am learning to say no to things. Because here's the deal. I'm just a busybody. Okay, even when I have downtime, I'm like, hmm, let's go to Home Depot, <laughs> right? Let's go to Target. Let's, uh, let's go get ice cream. You know, I'm just a busybody. And I'm learning to say no in my heart and just say, it's okay for us to be at home tonight. It's okay. It's okay if we don't do anything tonight. It's okay if we just exist as a family together tonight. Like the other night, Luke asked me, he's like, can we play Wii Bowling? And I was like, you got it, buddy. Tonight is Wii Bowling night, right? Now, in my mind, in my heart, I'm like, there's probably 40 other more productive things that I could be doing right now. But it was the best thing that I needed to play Wii Bowling. You know, I got that little stick and I'm spinning my ball and, you know, and having a good time. It's okay. 
It's all right to say no. We need some margin sometimes. We need margin with our energy. Do you know that you only have so much energy? Like, you will run out of energy. Like, you want to know when you run out of energy? is when you start snapping off at your kids and your husband or wife. You've run out of energy. You're tapped out. You're empty. You, you got to figure out, like, like, this is giving me energy. You know, and even, even if I only have 30 minutes to sit in that chair, that's the best 30 minutes. It's filling that tank. We don't have margin in our money. You know, we think, I would love to give. I just don't have any margin in my, in my money. We've, we've dedicated all of our money to all these different things. We have no margin in emotionally in our marriage. Husbands, can I just speak to you? Be the leader, plan date nights, take your wife out, make special moments, not on Valentine's Day. I know you're like, well, I do. Every Valentine's Day and every birthday. Well, congratulations for doing the, the big things, right? How about, how about in the middle of June, right? Your marriage needs it in the middle of June. And I'm not saying they have to be perfect, fancy, you know, nights. You know, like some of the best moments that me and Jess have are times that we just go on a walk together. Like, I think it was a couple Sundays ago, uh, we were like, boys, take care of yourselves. And, and we just left and we went on a walk for about an hour and a half. And it was great. We just connected, we walked, it was refreshing. You need margin. You can't run on empty all the time. Listen, the world, culture, friends, family, social media, everybody will tell you more money, more time at Kings Island, more stuff, better stuff, a hundred family events, trip after trip, the best yard in the neighborhood. All these things are what is going to refresh your soul. And I promise you, it's not. Now, I'm not against these things. Like, I just read this thing about Kings Island's new fireworks, and I was like, that sounds awesome. I can't wait to see them. There's going to be 200 drones in the sky. Come on, you know. I'm excited about that. But I know that that isn't what refreshes my soul. I know it isn't. And here's the deal. The enemy knows this. A life with no margin. A life with no margin means less time spent with Jesus, meaning that your soul is not refreshed. Amen? Come on, amen? amen? Listen, me and Jess have been talking about this a lot, this idea of like this movement of like, do we really need church? Yes, you do. You do need church. You do need to be in the house. You do need to be a part of the body. You do need to be a part of corporate worship. You do need to serve. You do need to be a part of a house. You do need to be under good teaching and leadership. You do need to have moments where the Lord says, just sit down, relax, turn your phone off, turn the world off, be in my presence, be in my house. You need that. Why? Because you need your, your soul to be refreshed. Amen? Point number three. There's something about Mary. Point number three, there's something about Mary. Mary had discovered the one thing that was most important by choosing to sit at my feet. Jesus is going, listen, there's one thing about tonight that is most important. It is not the meal. It's not your perfect plan. It's not you running around doing as much as you possibly can. It's not you having your perfect night. It's me. Jesus goes, it's me. The most important thing tonight, it's me. He's going, I want everybody to know and understand. The most important thing in your life, it's me. It's me, it's always me. You think it's all these things. You think it's all these distractions. You think it's all these different parties and activities, and they're all good. But Jesus goes, the most important thing, it's me. And I love this. He says, she is undistracted. Undistracted. And I won't take that privilege from her. So Jesus is saying, it is a privilege to be with him. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. 
Now, I'm beyond thankful that I live in America. Like, beyond. I hope you are too. And I know America's not perfect, but I sure do love the USA. Okay? I am for this country. I believe in this nation. I know that we're going through some hard times as a nation right now, but I do know this, that God is good and he is faithful. He has also always been faithful to this nation because we've been faithful. We are the nation that supports the world as it relates to missions works, as it relates uh, relates to help and to aid. God has had his hand on this nation and will continue to have his hand on this nation. I promise you. But here's what I do know, too, is that if you go to other nations, you will quickly figure out what a privilege it is to go to church. Because in other nations, they're wondering, am I going to be arrested? Am I going to be murdered? Because I'm choosing Jesus. So Jesus is going, it's a privilege. Count it a privilege to come be with me. Count it a privilege to come to this house and to worship without tyranny. Count it a privilege that we're, listen, look, back when the church was closed for 13 weeks, we were biting at the chomp to get back into church. Count it a privilege to be with me. Count it a privilege to make me the most important thing of your day. Jesus is going, I'll refresh your soul. Jesus is telling us, you need to be more like Mary. Why? Because he knows that we're really good at being Martha. Ooh, I'll say that again. You did, that went over your head. He knows we're really good. We don't need any help being Martha. I already know how to worry. Right? Martha's worrying. I know how to worry. It's not hard. Worry all the time. Are you going to come to church? Are you going to not come to church? Are you going to believe? Are you going to serve? Are you, gonna, you know, I, I worry about, you know, you can worry about your kid's safety. You can worry about, is my boss happy? My wife? The house? The bills? The car? We can worry and worry and worry. We already know how to worry. So did Martha. I already know how to be overworked. I was talking to Pastor Ryan a couple weeks ago. I'm like, you going on that trip? He's like, oh, I don't know. There's just so much work. He's like, it's just so busy. And I looked at him and I said, Ryan, the work will be there when you come back. Just go. Listen, Pastor Ryan's one of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life. I am so proud of him. I'm so thankful to have him beside me. It is such a privilege to work with him. And I was like, you, just, you, you need to go on vacation. We know how to be overworked, right? We already know how to compare, right? Because isn't this what Martha's doing? She's going, tell Mary to get up and help me. She's comparing. I already know how to compare. I already know how to get my eyes off of better, other things. I, listen, Look, there's been so many times where, like, there's a Sunday afternoon, and I'm scrolling Instagram, and I'm thinking, like, wow, look at what God's doing at that church, and look what God's doing at that church, and look, and then I get into this place, I'm like, God, why aren't you doing that at my church? And the Lord's like, why don't you just focus on what I'm doing in your life? Stop looking at what everybody else is doing. Look at what I've done. Look at the blessings that I've brought. But I already know how to get my eyes onto comparison. I already know how to live in resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness. I already know how to do that. And, and can I give you a, a little an announcement? This is a big announcement, okay? You will not love your life and see many happy days when you are full of bitterness and unforgiveness. You will not. Now, I'm going to say something, okay? By saying that statement, I am not discrediting the pain and the hurt that you went through. Because I know it's real. And so does Jesus. And I want to be abundantly clear 
that Jesus cares deeply about your wounds. He cares deeply about those moments that you were betrayed, that you were stabbed in the back, where somebody took advantage of you or took advantage of your family. I promise you he cares about those things. But I promise you that he will give you more grace for those moments as you let go of bitterness, unforgiveness, and resentment. There'll be more grace. There'll be more peace in your soul. Look, I already know how to live without Jesus' help. But you know what I don't know? Is how to live without worry. I gotta be more like Mary. She didn't have a worry or care in her thoughts life that day. She just wanted to be with Jesus. I don't know how to live without worry. I came in here the other day to pray. I was walking in. You know, you know that I'm happy when I'm whistling. I'll even be by myself. And I'm not a great whistler, okay? I promise you. But I'll just whistle. And I was happy. Came in, I was like, <laughs> see, I'm not a good whistler. But I, but I was happy. I was walking in. I was going to spend some time with the Lord. But how many of you know that you can be happy, but you can also have worry going on in the back of your head at the same time? Okay? So I'm walking in. And I'm about to hit the stage. Nobody's here, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to the Lord. And the Lord said, did you come to worry with me? I was like, whoa. I was like, this is how we're going to start this, God? He goes, did you come to worry and call it prayer? And I just had to, like, step back. And I was like, and the Holy Spirit reminded me of this verse, Hebrews 11, verse 6, where it says, it is impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. Anybody who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And the Lord said, you can pray in worry or you can pray in faith today. You pick. You pick. I already know how to do these things. I don't know how to live without worry. I don't know how to live my life without rugging, living it, running myself ragged. I don't know how to live without comparing and judging others. Colossians 3, verse 13, it says this, make allowances for others' faults. What's that saying? Because I'm with Jesus and I'm next to Jesus and he fills me with his love, I have a system, I have a grace that I've built up inside of me already for when people are going to fail me and make mistakes. I'm ready for it. Can I just say, we just live in such a culture right now that we're just so quick to judge people. We're so quick to cut people off. We're so quick to just throw out some negative words. We're so quick to just not believe in somebody else because they make one mistake. See, we already know how to do that. What we don't know how to do is to go, you know what? I have an abundance of grace because I've been spending time with Jesus. And because I've been spending time with Jesus, now when I face this moment when somebody has betrayed me. Somebody has offended me. We're such an offended culture. When somebody offends me, I am able to go, you know what? I have grace. The other day, it was Monday. I'm kind of tired on Mondays. I went to lunch by myself and I had this waitress and she was just snotty and she was rude and she was mean and my Coke wasn't filled and, and I was getting upset in my heart. And the Holy Spirit said, you don't know what she's going through. And the Holy Spirit said to me, give her a big tip. I was like, you sure, God? I don't, know, I don't know about that. He's like, give her a big tip. Give her grace. Give her grace. I don't know how to live without unforgiveness. Ephesians 4, verse 32 says, Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, Jesus Christ, has forgiven you. Mark 11, verse 25, it says this, But when you are praying, 
First, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against. So your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. I promise you, Martha was angry at Mary that day. I promise you that she was going to have to figure out how to forgive her. Right? Listen, the grace of God works and flows so well and good when you let go of things. I came in here yesterday. I was going to pray for it today. And the Lord just started bringing up all of these people I needed to forgive. And as soon as I did that, I just felt the grace. I felt the grace. I just felt the grace. I felt the grace to write this message today. I felt the grace for today. I just felt God's grace. Amen? I don't know how to live without living just in my own strength. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 through 6 says this, And all of you, dress yourself in humility, as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. You know what it is when, when, when you take time to go, Jesus, I'm going to seek you. It's you going, Lord, I humble myself to you. Because here's the deal. Your days aren't going to get less busy. They're just not. I mean, anybody, listen, anybody has kids understands, like, they just get busier and busier and busier. For all of you that don't have children, man, enjoy it now, okay? <laughs> Live it up now, okay? You think you're busy now? There's something special when, look, I, I said this last week, and I want to make sure that there's no guilt or shame or condemnation as it relates to spending time with the Lord. Because last week I talked about, like, listen, there's just days where I, I'll just read the Word for 10 minutes. There's just days where I'll just, I remember, there's days I'll come in here and I'll pray for 15 minutes. And I know, I, I, I know I got what I needed. And I, I, it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to pray for an hour. But just that I take that time and I press pause. I go, God, I humble myself to you, to your thoughts today. What you have in mind today. God, what is your will today? What's your will for my marriage today? What's your will for my children? What's your will for my life? What's your will for my finances? God, what are you trying to say? I'm humbling myself to you because I want your mighty power. That's what I want. I want God's power. I want God's supernatural power to work in my life. And how does it work? By humbling yourself to the Lord. This is why Jesus says you got to become more like Mary. Jesus understands when I have Mary moments, Mary moments. And for me, I need quiet. I don't know how you are, but I need quiet. You know, like, I'll, I'll turn on some worship music. But, like, uh, it was, like, a couple Saturdays ago. I was in here, and, and it was, it's pitch dark. I mean, pitch dark. I have some worship music on in my ears. And, and I'm just spending some time with the Lord. And just walked in. And she had no idea that I was in here. And I had no idea that, I, that she was in there, too. And then she turned the lights on. She was like, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? Why are you in the dark? I'm like... This is my mommy with Jesus. Leave me alone. I need that. I need to shut the world off. Right? There was a thing when I was growing up. I know it's not a thing now. Okay? But there was a thing when I was growing up where people would buy houses with an extra bedroom so that they could make that room their Jesus room. Listen, I don't care where your Jesus spot is. I don't care if it's in the car. I don't care if it's on a walk. I don't care if it's in your closet, in your bedroom. 
but you need a spot where you can go and you can shut everything down. You can go, God, what's your will? And sometimes the best thing to do, it's just like Mary. I love that it says, Mary wasn't talking. Right? Like, I, I, there's so many times where I get into my time with the Lord and I just start talking. I'm like, hi, God, how you doing? This is what's going on in my life. This is all the details of my life. And then I get to a point where God's like, are you done? Because I got some stuff to say. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. God goes, I, I want to speak to you. I want to reveal my heart. I want to reveal my plan. I want to refresh your soul. Right? Because here's what I know. I promise you this. I promise you this. I've learned this. There are not enough beaches and fruity drinks in the world to refresh your soul the way Jesus does. There's not enough. Just look at the world. They're chasing it. They're chasing it. And you know what's so sad about life right now is that the church is looking at the world and envying them, going, look at all their trips, look at all their stuff, look at their life, and we're envying them. And they are sad, and their soul is miserable, and they have no peace, and they have no joy, and they have no rest. We should go, I'm going to look at believers. Some of my, look, I remember when I was at Living Word, there was a, a man in our church. His name was Dr. Bone, okay, Dr. Bone. And, and he was like in his 80s. And he just loved spending time with Jesus. And he would talk to me about it all the time. I'd like walk by him and he'd go, how's your time with Jesus? I'd be like, oh God, are you looking into my soul? It was a bad week, you know, and he's like, don't judge me. And he'd go, it's okay. Just remember, just remember, there's nothing more important. I'd, and I remember like, he would like start tearing up and I would start tearing up and I, I could feel Jesus because I knew he had been with Jesus. You know when you know somebody's been with Jesus because they've been around Jesus? It's just on them. And I remember he was the most peaceful, joyful, full man I knew. And I thought, I want to be that someday. That's the picture. That's the legacy. That's the legacy I can give to my children. Who cares about the stuff I can give them? The greatest legacy that I can give to my children is a legacy where they know the presence of God. It's a legacy where they know that Jesus matters. It's a legacy that they know there's nothing more important in this life that will refresh and satisfy their soul outside of Jesus. That's the legacy I want to give to my children. Amen? Would you stand up this morning? 